0: Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to church. My name is Travis, a lead pastor here at Antioch. So thankful that you are here today uh, to worship the living God with us. I want to begin this morning just with uh, kind of a a place of transparency. I felt like it was the right thing to do, especially after last week, where I uh, shared a little bit about uh, our field day last year and how Uh, The purple team that I happen to be on uh, won our entire field day, which, by the way, you should come to. Uh, It's next Sunday. It's basically like the amazing race just all on our campus. Uh, We had a ton of fun last year. You get to meet a a lot of great people from from kids, empty nesters and everything in between. It'll be an awesome time, but you have to register by Wednesday. But uh, after sharing that uh, of our victory last, year, uh, last week um, in, in field day last year, I felt like I needed to be uh, a little honest about what happened yesterday um, and not just use my platform for gloating, but also uh, to share that though my foursome in our Antioch golf tournament won a prize yesterday, uh, and though I played with honorable gentlemen, such as maybe this guy down here on the front, We did uh, end up in last place. And uh, so I felt like if I could gloat one week, I had to be a little honest. It was just the right thing to do. And so I don't know, chalk it up to you win some, you lose some, or maybe pride cometh before the fall. I don't know. I don't know what. Um, But we had a great time nonetheless and uh, got a $10 gift card. So there you go uh, for for coming in last. But um, uh, also, uh, Wanted, actually, I meant to do this. I wanna pray for our young adults. We've got about 80 plus young adults uh, on their, their retreat. Uh, this, in fact, I'm like, okay, college students are back. Welcome back over here. This is, this is like the, the college crew over here. Not all of you, I see a few, but this is largely where they sit. And then I'm like noticing, oh, this, and this is where our young adults usually sit. And so, um, like that was a good reminder. We did, I wanna pray for them. When we have uh, people out on retreats or mission trips, we love to just to take opportunity as our family is kind of spread out this morning to pray for them. So just take a moment, join with me, and let's pray for those guys. Lord Jesus, we're just believing uh, that as uh, these men and women in our young adult and career zone in our church have set aside uh, a weekend to, to be with you, kind of push back the things on a, on a busy schedule, and say so we just want to meet with God. Lord, I pray that, that that, that you would just honor that desire by uh, with your presence and just filling them up, bringing breakthrough that they're longing for. Lord, I pray that their times of worship would be rich, that they would be moved towards places of o- obedience and greater love for you. Uh, Father, I-, I pray that they would find a depth of community just with, with others in that place, uh, that those that have maybe felt alone, that they would know that, there's, that there are those around them who want to run after God. And uh, Father, I pray that they would come back with a greater zeal, and passion for the the person of Jesus and for your purposes in their lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Excited to hear all about what God does there with them. Well, today we are embarking on a new series, just a short series in a few weeks where we're gonna get back to some of the, the heart of the house, some of the vision that God has given us uh, as, as, a, as a local church, as an expression uh, of the church uh, amongst the greater body of Christ. And, and, um, and, and here's the thing about the church that, that um, each of us are needed, that there are gifts, that there are personalities, that there are strengths that we bring to the body of Christ, all of which are needed to be the church, the, a place that glorifies God, a place that brings him glory here on the earth. And there is actually a, a, a great honor in having the, the opportunity to do that. To be the church, this uh, what's more than an institution or an organization, but it is—it's living. It, its referred to as the body of Christ, the the bride of Christ. It is—it is you and I coming together and recognizing that we have been entrusted with the gospel message, this message of hope, freedom, salvation has been entrusted to us to bring this good news into the world that we live in, to see it spread, to see disciples made in our neighborhoods, to see disciples made in the nations of the earth. And we have the great privilege of co-laboring with God alongside of those who have done that throughout the history of the church to see his church built. And what an honor it is. And uh, we're so thankful uh, for, for those of you who God has brought together who call this church home. And, uh, and, to, and so in this series, we're just going to be talking about not just the individual expressions and the, the individual gifts that we bring, but who God has called us as, as a church to be corporately. What are some of the things that he's spoken over us as a church, and, and we're going to we're gonna be talking about those things. Now, that doesn't mean that there is something more significant about us than any other church. And, and it's just that this, we want to honor who God has called us to be. We wanna be about what God has spoken over us and get back to those things. So we wanna align ourselves with who God's called us to be as, as this body. And so we're gonna be looking this week and next in Acts chapter 11, where we get our namesake, and so this series is called more than a name, and it's because there, there's a reason why the name of this church is, is Antioch, and uh, and we find the church at Antioch in Acts 11 and Acts 13, and it, you know if. In the Old Testament, uh, names specifically, but even in the New Testament, names were very significant and what people's name ha- was had meaning. And, and often it was, it was part of an identity or a calling. At times, God would change people's names uh, when they would encounter Him and their names would be, be changed to reflect that they met with God that they had calling, uh, that there was places that he was leading them into. And so uh, names are significant in our own family. uh, We we feel like the the names that that God's given our our kids are, are significant, and so we've got names that mean light. Daughter of the king, one who, who contends for the things of God, uh, fuel for the fire of God. We have a first responder in the spirit. Uh, we, we've got one who's highly favored. You know, all of these things and these names are, are things that we pray over our kids because we believe it's, it's a word of God over their life. And so uh, there's something significant about that and we encourage them and challenge them to step into that uh, because that's who, who they are. And so in the same way, we're gonna take the next three weeks and just be encouraged by God, our Father, to step into who he's called us to be. And, and, and while I'm talking about that, before we we'll launch in here to Acts 11, I just wanna mention one other thing that's coming up. It's called household. So for, for us, it's, this, it's two weeks that we gather people together that are interested in becoming a part of this church. Uh, people that that say, man, I I, I like what I'm experiencing here. I'd like to know more about what you believe, uh, about the, the history of the church, where you're going forward, and it's opportunity to meet others that are on that journey. And so that's gonna be happening the next two weeks in, uh, during the nine o'clock service. So it'll be happening during the nine o'clock service. And then we're inviting everyone to come and join us for worship in the 1045. But if that's where you are in your journey uh, with this this body of believers, uh, or maybe you've been around for a little while, but never had the opportunity to go there to hear more about the philosophy of ministry and what what compels us in the Lord and what we believe, then I'd encourage you to go and to be a part of that. It will also uh, give you... A, ways to become more involved in, in the community and in serving, and so we'd love for you to be a part of that, and that's not, uh, not this Sunday, but it begins next Sunday for the next two weeks, and that's called Household. You can register for that as well, but uh, it, it's important that we come together. It's important that we are a part of the church. It doesn't have to be this church, but it is, and we love it if it's this church. If God calls you here, we wanna walk with you. But if it's another church, it's important to be a part of whatever church it is so that you can co-labor with God in seeing his church built. There, there's a little phrase that Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. This phrase over the years has been meaningful for me in in a a number of different ways, depending on maybe what I'm going through in in a different season in the church planting journey. And the the first, and God will give different emphasis on different words uh, to communicate different things. The first one is this, I will build my church. So anytime that I'm feeling like the, there's pressure on me or the weight of me or it's, something's not going well and I've gotta fix it, and if I don't, then it's not gonna happen, and the, just some of the pressure that, that you can feel, anybody can feel in the thing that they're called to, and, and I'm reminded by God, I will build my church. And it brings great comfort and solace knowing that, okay, that's not on me. I, gi- I give myself to him and I wanna, I wanna love him and I wanna serve, but it's, but it's, 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 it's something that he is going to do, not me. There's other times where maybe I've felt stuck in this journey, like, well, God, we wanted to be here. We're not there yet. Or, or we thought we'd be operating in this or have you know, a missions team in this area, or, or maybe it's financially we're feeling stuck and, and whatever it might be. And, and then God emphasizes a different word. I will build my church. And there, there has been, honestly, great courage and strength when God said, no, I will build it. It, it is going to happen. That is what I'm about. And I, ha- I have the, the ability to do it and I have the intention to do it. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm in it again. Like, even though I feel stuck, I feel frustrated, I feel overwhelmed, you are going to do it. You will do it. And then the third one is, is something like this. Um, maybe when things are going well, when it's like, wow, that, that, that worked, or you know, like wow, I'm excited about all that's happening, and 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 you you know, you're like, yes, we we've we've accomplished something. This is good, and and then there's that just gentle reminder, I will build my church. Right? It's it's his. Church, and it's actually that very thing that, that is something that motivates everything that we do, and I'm not saying that we do it perfectly, but our aim is that every Sunday morning, every day, every meeting, that we would, we would be reminded, this is his church, so we wanna know what he's doing, what's on his heart, where he's leading us, where he wants to rebuke us, You know, but it's, but it's his. And so our, our desire is to just re- reflect him well by following him well. Reflect him well by following him well. And so that's, that's our desire. And so I want to d- dig into that a little more by, by looking at the church that God has called us to be by looking at the church at Antioch, okay? So in Acts chapter 11, you may already be there. It's a last quarter of your Bible, just past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the gospels that are uh, depicting the the life of Jesus, uh, his ministry here on the earth. And just after those four books, you have the book of Acts, which is a, a history of the early church. It's the the Holy Spirit empowering the believer to accomplish the mission of God by seeing the church birth and and grow uh, and to have impact and influence in the earth. And so we pick up there in Acts chapter 11. I'm gonna read verses 19 down to 30. Now we're not gonna get through all of those today. We're gonna finish up with that next week before hitting Acts 13, the third week but I wanna read this whole section just so we get the full picture and then we'll just tackle the first half today. Acts chapter 11, beginning verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also Then Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so we pick up in this story that's unfolding about the early church with the, the spread of the believer as a result of persecution that was happening in Jerusalem. So there was a great persecution that broke out that we read about in Acts chapter eight after the stoning of Stephen, one of the disciples of Jesus, uh, was often recognized as the first martyr of of Christianity And, and there after that was just this great widespread persecution. Well, it's not that God desired that or longed for that for his people, but certainly he used it as we read there in Acts chapter 8, that everywhere that those followers of Christ went as they fled Jerusalem, they shared the gospel message. So everywhere that they went, this gospel message began going. The, what, the persecution didn't get them down. It didn't, uh, it didn't instill fear in them, but actually there was something that was overflowing that overcame fear, that overcame the discomfort or the discouragement that could come with persecution. But what overflowed instead was a gospel witness, what was, a, was a, this message of good news. There's good news. Yeah, we're having to leave our homes. Uh, yeah, you know, people are being imprisoned, but I've got good news for you that, that trumps all of those things. That's an interesting message, right? Like, wait a second, you're, you're now a refugee. You've got a cousin that's in prison that didn't get away or what, you know, whatever, and you're telling me you've got good news that you're sharing with, with joy on, on your face? Tell, what, what could that be? Right there's something about that, that that in the midst of persecution when when the, when the believer comes through with great joy that depicts that there is something there's something happening in them there's something unfamiliar there there is there is a, a new thing that God began to do there at the church in Antioch. And specifically that new thing was that as these believers went, we told that they would go to the Jewish synagogues and the temples and, and share with uh, other, other Jewish people until they got to Antioch where all of a sudden there were cultural lines that began to be crossed and the gospel began to penetrate uh, other, other cultures, people from other places, Greeks, Gentiles, those that were non-Jewish in background. And, and the thing that began happening is they began to be saved. They began to, to, to turn to Jesus. About the same time, we read just in the chapter before about a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was also a Gentile, a non-Jewish background person, but he was a God-fearer and uh, wanted to know God. And, uh, and And Peter, one of the apostles of Jesus, had a vision and was sent to, to go to this man, Cornelius. and. Cornelius and his entire household are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is evident, and Peter is saying, "Well, if, if God sees fit to put his spirit upon them, why would we not also baptize them into, into following Jesus? Okay, so there was this new thing that was stirring up, that this gospel message is for the whole world. That there, there are no people outside of the reach of God, that this is not for one demographic, uh, one, one culture, one race, but this is for all peoples. And that this gospel message is hope and life and freedom for anyone who would receive it. And so there's something exciting going on. There, there, was, no, there was no cultural bound, there was no language barrier that was going to prevent this gospel message from spreading because of what was welling up within the believer. And so we see that happening in Antioch, and, and often we, 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 uh, we look back to what was happening there as this new thing that God was doing. In fact, it was very significant. What, what you'll see a few chapters later in the book of Acts is the Jerusalem Council. You may not be super familiar with the Jerusalem Council, but it had great impact on, on your life because uh, it, what, this, what this was was a debate, a council coming together to debate, does someone who decides to follow Jesus have to also become a Jew in, in practice and religion? And what, what are the customs and traditions and, uh, and, and procedures and laws they have to come under to follow Christ? And there was the argument uh, from, from Barnabas and, and Saul who would later become Paul, it was like, no, it's, it's just about following Jesus. We don't have to add anything to it, but there was a great council and it kind of came to a head and there was the back and forth. And in the end, they said, you, it, it comes down to following Jesus. Now there are some moral standards that we find that are consistent with the heart of God and we want you to keep those things. But in the end, it's about following him, becoming a follower of him. And so this was a big deal, this new thing that God was doing. And I, and I wanna read this passage for us out of Isaiah 43 to now connect that to what, what does that mean for us today? This new thing that God was doing. Well, Isaiah 43 verses 16 through 19 go like this. This is what the Lord says. He, the one who made a way through the sea. So it's looking back at the, the parting of the Red Sea, the deliverance of the people of Israel. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now, one of the things that, that caught our eye in uh, planning a church in the literal desert was all the passages specifically in Isaiah that talked about the desert. This was one of them like, yes, God, you're making new ways in the wilderness, streams in the desert, life, let bring it, God. You know? so, so we're drawn to those kinds of things. But one of the things that this speaks to is exactly what was happening in the church at Antioch. There's a new thing that's happening, a new thing that's on God's heart. And I love how Isaiah 43 packages it because it's not separate from what God has done or who he has always, what he's done in the past or who he has always been. It's interesting how he's referring to the the Exodus, a hallmark in the life of the people of God. One that we still talk about and, and, and glorify God for and are and amazed by, by his amazing power and great wonder. And, and yet what they're saying is like, we recognize that you are the one who made the way. You are the one who delivered us. You are our deliverer. And at the same time it says, but forget the former things. I don't think that's literal because he's just saying, remember how God did all these things. But he's saying, we don't live on the victories of yesterday or of generations before because when that happens, it becomes religion. It becomes religious activity, things that you're supposed to do because of what somebody way back there told you you were supposed to do, rather than you having an encounter with the living God and saying, no, this is what I want to do because of who he is. And so it's life-giving. It's the new thing that God is doing. And, and so we wanna be on the, on the edge of what God's doing, not because we just wanna be on the edge or just or, or can't, can't be satiated until we get something new, but because God is always on the move. And, and we wanna be a part of it. We feel like it's a privilege to be a part of it. I, I've mentioned this before, but I grew up in, in, uh, in my youth group days were in the heyday of WWJD. I mean the heyday. I, I had the shirts and the bracelets and the socks or whatever I had. I, I had the WWJD. And, and and there there's there's nothing bad about that. Oh, for, okay, I got some people blank stared. What would Jesus do? It was, a, it was a ways back. What would Jesus do? So you see it on your wrist. Okay, yes, that's a good reminder. What would, what would Jesus do if he were here? But there's a little problem with that. I just actually said it. I don't, I don't, we don't, I don't know if we all catch that, but what would Jesus do if he were here, that's kind of the idea. But the problem is that he is here, that he is leading us, that he is moving, that there's things that he's doing all around us. And so it's not what would Jesus do, applying like if he were here, but what is Jesus doing? What is he doing and I don't wanna step into it and I wanna be a part of it. And as we talk about the church, that there should be an excitement about being a part of his church. His, his bride, his body, that, that he gave his spirit uh, to, to, to see birth and then to be expanded with this gospel message that, that disciples might be made throughout the earth. It's exciting. The story is still being written. You know, it's, it's still re- being written. It, it is not finished yet. And we've been given an opportunity to be a part of, a part of it. Is, is it the closing chapter? We don't know. But man, there, there's an opportunity to say, we wanna be a part of the history that you're writing on this earth. And we do that as, as, we, as we join in and have a heart for his church. And there's just a joy to it. And, and there, there's, there's, there are new things that he's doing. One of the words that, uh, that, that we use is Apostolic. There is that there is an apostolic calling on us as a church and what that means is that there is new ground to be taken, that we are sent ones. That's really what the, 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 the root for apostles, just, it's a sent one. And so we are called to plant churches. We are called to see the life of God multiplied. Uh, we, we are called to, to be a part of the new thing that God is doing. To rejoice with honor, learn from all that he has done, to to see his character that was displayed then, that's going to continue to stay true now, and and yet we're 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 compelled to be right on the edge of what he's doing, and and there, there's something there's something exciting there, and that doesn't mean you have to change your personality. You're like well, I kind of just I like history, and I like. Great, because we, we need that and we need to continue to be learners and to dig into the truth of, of who he is because there's gotta be anchor points at the same time as we're pushing out the new ground, like we've gotta be anchored in who he is. And so again, there is a need for each and every one of us in the way God has made us, designed us, equipped us, gifted us so that the body of Christ can be who she's called to be. We need that. This world needs it. It, it, it is something, that just before we move on here, it is something that we have done imperfectly, but it, it remains to be a, a deep desire of ours to be a church that rightly reflects the person of God. Rightly reflects the person of God. In fact, when we were playing golf yesterday, one of the guys that I was in the cart with—I just met him one time, so we're getting to know each other a little more—and he, uh, he kind of put me on the spot. He's like, "What's your what's, what, what's the what's the what's your what makes you what makes you come alive as like a, as a pastor as a person?" I'm like, oh gosh, how do I succinct it before we hit our next shot and into the water? Um, <laughs> but uh, I I said, well, I feel like I've I've got a I've got a jealousy within me. And, and a jealousy for our, our, our church, and, and a jealousy is for the Father to be rightly seen and known. Because I just get upset when people talk about him. It's like, no, that's not, that's not my God. That's not our Father. Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know what he's done for you? And you would speak of him and like, then just breaks my heart with a jealousy for him to be rightly known for his sake, but for their sake as well. Like it's not who he is, like there's just a, a jealousy. And, and, and there's, a, there's a role for us as a church to, to rightly reflect. And, and all too often, it's, a, it's a, like a common phrase now, right? Church heard and this and that. And, and it's because the churches are filled with very imperfect people. And yet we want to with all, in every way that we know how to rightly reflect him. And when we don't, to, to be honest about that, to repent for that and so, so that, that we would take down every hurdle or stumbling block That people might see him rightly, because when they do, everything changes. And so we want that—just that—that longing, that desire for uh, for God and the new thing that's on His heart—to reach people, to take ground in the kingdom and in the Spirit, to be something that burns within us. That's what He's called us to. It goes on and it says that in verse 21, that the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Whew, that, that's what you want, right? I mean, that is our desire, that the hand of the Lord would be upon us. That nothing we do would be out of our own strength or our own efforts or our own striving, but that it would be the hand of the Lord that is on us, that his favor would be upon us as a people. And as a result, people would be drawn to him and believe in him. Kind of basically that we would get out of the way and allow him to have his way. That, that's who we are. At least that's who we're aiming to be. There's a couple of passages of scripture that really stand out to me about how we move into that place, and one of them is Exodus 33. Maybe the passage of scripture I've I've preached more than any other. We, we've got friends that are, were with us at the very beginning. I'm like, you guys have probably heard every all of this that are coming back for visiting today, but. Um, Exodus 33, you've got this guy, Moses, who was reluctantly called into a place of leadership and, and he sees God do incredible things. We see him meeting with God in a, in a, in a place where he's, he's speaking to God face to face as a man does with his friend. And, and now he's presented with this challenge where God has said, hey, I'm gonna now give you the promised land, something you, by the way, you've been believing for for the last 40 years, I'm gonna give it to you. It's like, yes, sir, amen, it's time, let's go. But God says, I will not go with you. I'll send some angels with you to make sure that it happens, but I'm not going with you. And in the camp of Israel, you've gotta know that there were people saying like, it's been too, uh, okay, fine. At least the angels are going. I don't wanna be in the desert anymore. I don't wanna be nomadic. I wanna have a home and I wanna have a place to live and a place to call my own. And, and yet Moses' response is very different than that. He's like, no way, deal breaker. I don't want the promised land. You can have it. I'd rather have the desert with God than the promised land that we've been believing for for generations without God. It's just, no, is no contest for him because I, I know him and, I, and I've seen him and I've spoken with him and I don't wanna go anywhere that he's not. And so that's what he says in Exodus 33 verse 15, Moses says to the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? If there's one thing we want to distinguish us, it's just that God is with them. God is in that place. It, you know, in the Old Testament, the, the hand of God, as we read in Acts 11, is just, it's, it's a symbol for his, his presence his favor, his, his power being upon his people. And so we, we long to be a people of, of his presence that, that know the Lord to the degree that it's like, no, we're, we'll stay here. I don't care how shiny that thing is or how you know, wonderful it may seem. If you're not leading us into it, if you're not with us, we don't want any part of it. We don't want any part of it. And and that's 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 our heart in from, from the big things in life to the, to the small things in life. We want to follow him in that way. God, if you slow down, we want to slow down. If you go into a sprint, we're gonna to try to keep up, you know? If if you go left, we're we're heading that direction. We want to, we wanna we wanna stay with you. We wanna walk with you because, because we know you. And because we know you, where else would we want to be? And it's like Peter said to Jesus, when, when Jesus said, hey, do you, want to, do you want to go? Do you want to leave me? And he, and he says what? Where else would I go? You alone have the words of life. I, I want us to come to that place. Like, what, where else would I go? What, what, what else would I follow? Well, he has life. Everything else I've ever tasted, tried, or heard about, it's like death in the end. Where else w- would we go? I, I love Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 because it-, it brings me to a place uh, and it gives me a visual for-, for how I wanna live and where I wanna be. And, and it's-, it's simply this, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. The eyes of the Lord. So you just have this visual, right? Of the eyes of the Lord searching throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So he's looking for hearts that are fully committed to him. And I want, I want, to be, I want us to be of those who are like, right here, find that heart right here, God. Search no further. Let your search in and come here and, and, and then out of that place that we would be, we would be strengthened by him. But, but here's the real joy of that. It's not even just in the strengthening that the favor, the hand of the Lord that we've been talking about, which would bring great fruitfulness for the kingdom, which yes and amen. We're, we're believing for that. We're, we're longing for our community, our city for and beyond to be, be touched by the, the, the glory and grace of God uh, through, through this church family. But maybe even the, I think the greater gift is that he strengthens those whose hearts are fully committed to him. There is a gift in finding yourself fully committed to the Lord where it's not a back and forth, or I kind of want that, or I'm kind of finding my identity here and getting some of my identity from church or this or that, but it's like, no, I'm fully committed. I'm in, I'm convinced. I know that I know that I know that he is all that I want, that he is life, freedom. He is my peace, my joy, my hope, that that, uh, uh, eternal pleasures are in his right hand. Like there is nothing else that I'm looking for outside of him, and so my heart, and it's fully committed. Because fence is a terrible place to live. It is, it is uncomfortable. It, 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 is, it is filled with remorse and guilt and it's the heart that's fully committed, that's a gift. Oh, I know who I am because of who he is and what he's spoken over me. And when a people get there to that place, then God's like, yes, a heart that's fully committed. Now the, the favor comes. Now the, the breath of God can breathe and blow us where, where he will and he receives honor and he receives glory. And so that, that's, who, that's who he's called us to be. Now there, there's daily intentionality to that. We have to daily choose, like I wanna, I wanna choose to press into Jesus. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna choose to, to, to look inward and, and evaluate my heart and where I am and my actions and my attitudes. I, I gotta choose to invite others into my life, to walk this out in community and say, you guys have permission to look into my life and evaluate my action and call me, call me higher. And so there, there's a place that we gotta, we gotta choose this day in and day out and, and walk it out. Uh, let me just finish with one other little passage little of scripture, Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 it gives us a description again of just kind of personally, how can I live this out to see the favor of God, the hand of God come? It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So just another, like a little handrail, so to speak. What is it like? I wanna walk in the favor of God. I, I want, you know, what, what it says later, we'll talk more about Barnabas next week, but the, the church in Jerusalem sends uh, Barnabas and, and he comes and he says that he it sees the grace of God on, that's, that's on the people. God, uh, man, let the grace of God be seen upon us. And one of the ways that that, that happens, as it, as it says in Proverbs 3, 3 and 4, is, is through love and faithfulness that there is a consistency of love and faithfulness to God. Again, that's that, that genuine, authentic, we love him. We love him. And we, we want our faith to be expressed. We want our life to be a, a demonstration of faithfulness towards the king. And that also, I think, lends itself to, into loving the person in front of you being faithful to your word, being faithful in, in relationships. It's this love and faithfulness that's not just an expression here and there, but it's something that never leaves you, that you bind around your neck. You, you, you write it on the tablet of your heart. You know, it's, it's present. You're thinking, how can I love today? How can I express faith today? How can God be pleased? And it's just this, that God says, man, I love that. I love hunger. I love faith, right? We read about that in Hebrews 11. It's without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's just this pleasing aroma to him when he sees faith. Not perfection, not legalism, just faith. I wanna please him. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna love. I wanna remain faithful in, in, in my actions and attitudes. And so we just bring ourselves to him. And so, so today, that's, that's what we wanna do. Just again, say because you know the, the the response for today is simply you, you don't become uh, a particular church just because oh that's what our name is. No, it's actually the the men and women that make up that church saying this is who we're gonna be, and we're gonna live it out. And then when a, a visitor or a guest, somebody from the neighborhood or community or across town comes in, and then then maybe with different language, but what's being expressed is. But the grace of God is on these people. The, the, the faith, I mean, Barnabas saw it, but the, great, the grace of God, God is, God is here. And so, Lord, we just want to be a people that through our hearts, our mindsets, our attitudes, our affections, the way we spend our time, the things that we look at, the things that we meditate on, uh, that, that all of those things would be pleasing to you and would be so attractive to your spirit that you it's like you couldn't resist, that your eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth and, and, uh, and you see us jumping up and down and saying, God, here we are, and you're like, yes, and you're rejoicing with us and you're coming and you're releasing your presence and people are getting saved, delivered, seeing breakthrough, experiencing healing. There are people in this room that need healing today. His presence is here for healing. It might be things that were traumatic from your childhood. It, might, it may be like something we were talking about earlier, a church hurt. It, it could be a physical need that you need healing for. Come to the healer today. Lord, we long to be your church, a church that rightly reflects who you are that the world might see, know, and fall in love with. Thank you, God. will not you come? Speak to us and lead us in this moment into a place of response where our worship in this moment would be obedience, it would be surrender, it would be allowing you to to do something that makes us feel uncomfortable, maybe opening up a door that we don't wanna open up and a place that we don't wanna go. Allowing you to to move us from, from a place of of comfort into a place of taking risks for the sake of Jesus. Whatever it may be, God, would you lead us and may we respond to you. I wanna invite you to stand with me. And um, this is a significant time in our service each week where it is the opportunity for us to say, God, how do we apply your word how do we apply the things that that you're stirring how do we step out in them what is what is my response and that response hopefully will continue throughout the week or throughout our lives or whatever it may be but but it begins here and so i'm gonna invite our ministry team to come on forward and if you need prayer for anything and i mean that for anything i want to urge you to come forward today to to not leave this place without receiving prayer. We believe that God answers prayer, that he is moving and that he is alive. And, And not only do we believe he wants to answer prayer this morning, but you're not meant to carry that burden alone. You're just not. So quit it, like quit it, seriously. Bring other people in, let, let them pray. Uh, you know, it could be somebody on the ministry team. If not, somebody in your life that you know is walking with Jesus, let people in so you might pray together, encourage one another. And we need it. And as always, the front is open. If anyone needs to just come and say, I gotta give you, I gotta give you my... I gotta give you my life, I'm in again, I'm I'm signing up again, I, I want your presence, I wanna be, I wanna go where you go. If that's your heart, we'd love to pray for you. You can just come worship in the front, but whatever you do and in whatever, however it looks like, let's not leave this place without responding.